Guess what? What? The best things in life are free. They sure are. They're the birds and bees. Now give me music, Biz 101 and more. Dr. Esteban Marconi. Yeah, I came in with my NPR voice. You brought your NPR voice? Yeah, and you spoiled it. I, ru- I apologize for spoiling NPR. I'm fine. How are you, Dave? I've been better. But I didn't want to say never better because right. I've been better. I'm fine. Good. Feeling good. Oh, I've but been I've just been, I know I've been better. That's all. Sure. I don't, you know, I don't want to get... Is it the guest? It's the student guest oh. that we have with us tonight. The co-host. Um, yeah, guest. this is our student guest so co-host. Sorry. Yeah, she is um, really good, and she intimidates me, doctor. So, okay. Uh, you, you already all stopped paying attention to me. All You're intimidating from, me. You're not even looking all, at me. I'm talking to you. talk. All the way from <laughs> Nashville, Tennessee. Who? What are you talking about? Nash. Oh, Maddie. Me. Yeah, via yes. Morristown, New Jersey. Yes, right. good to have you. So, Ma- Maddie Dean, Madeline Dean is here with us today, student co-host Madeline Dean. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we should say. stayed all yeah. week. Yeah, I haven't left. She was here yeah. all week. <laughs> good for you. Yeah. And uh, don't forget to tip your bartender. That's right. And then we also have uh, Ashley Veltner, a German engineer, who's with us doing the German engineer. Only the best. The Mercedes of engineers over there. And we have Dr. Esteban Marconi. That's you. Yes, it is. You're doing a great job at being you. Well, thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. I'm your professor, David Kirk Philp. We're on Music Biz 101 and Mas. Imas. We have a guest tonight. He called in. We're not ready for him yet, but we will be ready for him in seconds. Bruce Houghton, Skyline Artist Agency, Hypebot, Music Think Tank, Bands in Town, Berkeley Online Touring Class. Wow. What does he not do? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's not a doctor like you, Esteban. Not yet. But soon. He's practically like a doctor. Hey, go to our website, musicbiz101wp.com. Sign up for that twice-weekly newsletter, Sundays at 6. How many we have now as subscribers? Well over 1,100. Wow. Which is nice. It's very organic. A lot of paper. It's no left sets, mm-hmm. but we also write, we also don't bash music business programs in colleges right. the way left sets does. Mm-hmm. Stop it, Bob Left Sets. Stop it. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, the Facebook at Music Biz 101 WP. I am on TikTok now at Professor David Kirkville. Oh. Send me a tick. You might get in trouble. Why is that? Well, they're stopping all uh, L. G, D, well, I can never say it yeah, right. I, know, no. I have to add them all up. And then anyway, also, they're stopping all of that uh, information. It, it depends on the um, country. No, not now. They're stopping it all. Just read it today. TikTok said, so if you're LGBTQ, any of that content, it's stopping across the all over the world, not just in the countries mm-hmm. that don't mm-hmm. um, support LGBTQ. Right. 
well, that's not going to be good for TikTok. No, you it really, It really isn't going to be good. I can no, understand. You better I'm, get out. Yeah. Maybe I will. Maybe okay. I will. I'm going to tell my kids. Thanks okay. to Tim Geisen for that theme song at the top. Thanks to Van Dyne, Bruno, Inc., and White Hat Management. With artists like Dave Matthews, Readers Down in St. Vincent, and Kiss is only in place to go for every your band's business management. Go to VB. CPA.com when you're ready. We want to give thanks to Christine Bay, a wealth manager and the president of Bay Wealth Management. Christine has helped many professionals all over the world manage their investments, plan after the retirement. If you're looking for some guidance on how to plan after your retirement, if you have questions on anything from investments, portfolio management to insurance, retirement planning, give Christine a call at Maddie. Please repeat after me 732 732 455 455 1510. 1510. Anybody can email her, Christine at VayWealth.com for advisement. Leave the last off saving. Managing your band sixth edition is out. You should buy it. No, you should just know that it's there. Don't sorry, Ashley. Do not buy it. Do not buy that book. Just know that it's there. You know, Dr. Stavon, William mm-hmm. Patterson University's music business program is ranked one of the best ever by Billboard magazine. Boy, who's the head of that program? Dr. Stavon Marconi. Oh. Speaking of which, this is the second half of year five. Of our Music Biz 101 and More show. I went on to the SoundCloud. We have posted up there um, 231 episodes. Mm-hmm. There is 232 in the can that Ashley sent to me that I need to upload. And we are right now, I guess, in 233, although there were five or six that we have done that were obliterated by technology. So mm-hmm. they happened, but pretend they didn't. And final thing, final thing, then we come to Bruce. We have a big Music, Business 101, Music Biz 101 and More live panel taking place here on the campus of the University of William Patterson, the evening of Monday, Rocktober 21st. At? 7 p.m. Cost. Free for you, me, and everybody else. Yes. In fact, you and I aren't even getting paid for it. No, nope. and because, we're going to do a live show from there. Yes, we'll record it live, and everybody else will hear it later on, but it will be live and recorded. Ashley Veltner, our German engineer who understands none of the English that we use, Ashley will be recording it. Yes, or you'll have a buddy? Here she comes. Um, I will be recording it mainly, but I plan on training someone in case um, I don't know my replacement next year. Because I'm graduating in May, so they know how to do it. Graduating in May. Yes. There we go. And uh, by the way, she'll be a high school graduate at that point. So good luck on that. What's the test you take to graduate high school if you don't finish? GED. Yeah, good luck on your GED. I wonder where I'll go to college. I don't know. I wouldn't recommend any place. Panelists, and neither would Bob Lefsetz. Stop it, Bob Lefsetz. Panelists, networking guests who are going to be there, Kate Hyman of BMG. Also our visiting resident expert. Yes. For our music and entertainment industries program at the University of William Patterson. Cindy DeSilva of The Rocks Management, who we've had guests twice, once on the show and once on another panel in Nashville, Tennessee. That's right. Amanda Kober-Mushinsky of Sony mm-hmm. Music. Vicky Starr of Girly Action, which is public relations, and also artist management. Mm-hmm. Marla Cassenti of the Warner Music Group, grad mm-hmm. of the program. Jessica Essex of Cobalt, wow. grad of the program. Michelle Locke of the Universal Music Group. I've never met Michelle, so looking forward to meeting Michelle. And there we go. So that's who we have. And I think it's time to stop with the shenanigans. Free cookies. There may be cookies and water. Water. Not like can't year, afford yes. the Free cookies afford and water. Them. No, yes. Um, we should bring up Bruce Houghton. Bruce, are you there with us? Nope. Did we put Bruce to sleep? Bruce, did you fall asleep? Uh, no, not yet. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> not yet. 
Ten more minutes. Sorry, we had a button was not pushed, so you were probably saying all sorts of things that you can't say on well, radio. Well, I was trying to decide, do I call back in? Do they even have a phone number to reach me? But here I am. <laughs> but, it, but it worked out. So you're here. It's great to have you on Music Biz 101. Yes. Thank you very much for Thank joining you. us. Are we live now? Should I stop the profanity? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, our profanity <laughs> stops three, two, one. Oop, that was it. That was your last yes. There we go. Yes. Okay. We Bring are you. live and... and Memorexing. So, Dr. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, and we tried to meet, I know, a couple times at Music Biz in Nashville in the yeah. past. So, I know it hasn't yeah. worked out. So, this is great that we finally have you on the show. Well, I enjoy being here, and you guys do good work. I've, I'm a fan of the blog. I'm a fan of the show. So, thank you for having me. No, it's great, great to have you. Great. So, Bruce, you wear so many hats, but I wanted, I'd like to get started with plant a tree if you send your contract back <laughs> how did you get to be a landscaper too it's <laughs> good it's a multifaceted career. Now, that's just a little thing that we used to do in the day before. Now, everyone takes uh, contracts uh, electronically to encourage them to take it electronically and save some paper. Now, honestly, we just go ahead and buy, you know, uh, two trees every time you, you book a contract with us because it's uh, every, almost everybody gets their contracts electronically now, but I wanted to go ahead with the program. It's just a little thing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a great incentive, and I enjoyed your uh, Skyline Agency's website because you give a, you know, a pretty good description of the artist that someone may buy, uh, mm-hmm. and what they feel comfortable doing and what works best for them. Yeah, it, and it, I've never you know, seen that before. Both. Oh, thank you. Well, we rep- represent about 60 artists. And yep. Some of them, you know, had platinum records and some of them are brand new. So we try to let everybody know, um, if you will, what they're what they're buying, what they're getting into, what they might be interested in before they buy. And it's that philosophy has worked very well for us. Mm-hmm. And out of Roanoke, Virginia? Well, I'm in Roanoke. There are 11 of us, and we're spread in all kinds of places. Frankly, this was the compromised position between New Hampshire, where I lived for a long time, and my wife, who is from Hollywood, California, and Uh. didn't really like the snow in New Hampshire. So we've always structured the company to be wherever the people are, so we're, we're spread all over the country. So working an agency that has some big names and some baby bands, as you said... Is mm-hmm. it a little schizophrenic? Uh, uh, it can be. I mean, honestly, we have agents who specialize in certain kinds of artists or certain, yeah, cer- certain kinds of artists. Not not so much musically, but sort of where they are in their career and the kinds of things they care about. You know, I specialize in a lot of the, if you will, classic rock in the broadest sense. But there are a couple people that really enjoy working with the younger Americana acts. And that's how we've how we've always done it. So it's not to say that we don't help each other and sell each other, but there's in in every agency there's a, a responsible agent, so the person who's the point man, if you will. And mm-hmm. that's true whether you're at ICM or CAA or Skyline, you know, sure. with a much smaller agency. So that that's how it works. As long as there's a passionate captain uh, of your ship, if you will, within the company, it, it seems to work very well. Yes. Yeah, so how do you? How did you convince, say, uh, Roger McGuinn or Poco or whomever to join a smaller agency? Um, a long time ago, I, I, I started in this business... 
Well, really, my first job booking, I was booking um, a club in Boston called The Rat, uh, which was like the CBGBs of, of Boston. So we did, you know, the police for 300 a night for three nights and Blondie and the Ramones and all of those kind of early punk bands. And out of that, I started doing regional booking on my own and, and did that successfully. And then, honestly, I was about to leave the business. I, you know, you, I just had grown tired of it. And a friend of mine who was a race car driver walked in the door and said, you know, I've, I've lent this band Foghat so much money that I'm now their manager, and you're the person, <laughs> you're the only person I know who knows how to book bands. So I thought, okay, well, I guess I'll figure this out. And I had never really booked nationally before, uh, so I had to pay somebody to help me do it, uh, you know, pay somebody to teach me to do it, in essence. I'd only booked in, in the Northeast. But one thing led to another, and then when you have one act, you know, people didn't know who I was, but they knew who Foghat was, mm-hmm. that, even that that iteration of Foghead, if you will. Um, so, you know, they took the calls, and one thing led to another. With people like Roger McGuinn and really a lot of the, those acts on the roster, it's simply that we give more personalized service than they're likely to get at a big agency. It's just, you know, it's, it's really as simple as that. No offense to the big agencies, but, you know, it's, it, at certain points in one's career, one wants a different kind of level of attention, if you will, or a different kind of attention, and that's what we give. Yeah. I, I listened to just touching upon what you just said about the personalized attention, um, which is mm-hmm. sort of a, the Jerry Maguire, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Dennis Arfa did a of uh, AGI Artist Group International yeah. gave an interview yeah. recently, and he was comparing AGI to uh, like a CAA. You know, he didn't mention it, but you know the big majors. Yeah, and he and he yeah. brought up exactly what you said. He said, uh, "You guys and the you know the smaller indie agencies are the boutiques. You are doing." Mm-hmm personalized service and you're bringing uh, something different to the table than the big agencies, which I, you know, the sort of references they're really built for a lot of clients, a lot of volume. Right. Yeah, and I and it's not to say. I mean, there are certain, there are absolutely certain kinds of artists that are best served by those uh, larger companies, and the fact that they have um, television divisions and you know uh, exactly. film divisions and all of those kinds of things. But you know, a smaller agency, just by nature of the of the economics, if you will, has a, can have a lower artist-to-agent ratio. So, you know, if I have six agents, let's say five and a half, one of them's, you know, just coming along. But, and we have, we say 60 artists, but it's probably 50 active artists. So the artist-to-agent ratio is 10 to 1 or maybe less. Um, I, I don't want to quote you, you know, anybody in particular, but if you look at those big companies, it's probably four or five times that. And even though they have good assistance, et cetera, it just can't quite be the same thing. But if you want, uh, you know, debut week, you want to be on uh, Letterman. Uh, Letterman, bad example. I'm showing my <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you meant Johnny Carson. Yeah, right. Exactly right. Actually, I actually thought of that because they just started a Johnny Carson Sirius XM channel, and I thought, does anybody even know who that is? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, if you want to be on late late night TV, you know, on the debut week of your record, I, I'm probably not going to do it. Now we place bands on those shows, but just not with the regularity by any means that a CA or yeah. or a, a, you know larger agency does. But if personalized attention is what matters to you. Um, at this stage in your career or just the kind of artist you are. I mean, there are certain artists that we do very well for who, for example, 
um, over the years, number of sort of Celtic groups who are able to cross somewhat into the mainstream. And because we're okay with talking to Patty from, you know, the, the Little Irish Festival, but at the same time, we're trying to get you on a rock show. So, it, you know, that's something that somebody, no offense, sitting in an office in Hollywood is probably not going to take the time to do. But again, there's all kinds of things they can do better than we can. Sure. I mean, we had Rob Light on about three weeks yeah. ago. And yeah. he mentioned he has 130 agents under him in music. And mm -hmm. he was saying, of course, we have the contacts to take you from just what we were saying, a late night show to whatever, whatever, whatever. And, uh, you know, he will, he didn't outright say it, but he would say that he, they're giving personal attention too. So I always tell the students, and when I was on the road, I was uh, with ICM with a, a band, and I think it's where you feel comfortable, number one, and Absolutely. number two, especially with the large agencies, how many agents come out to see you before you sign? How mm -hmm. deep are you in that company? If it's just right. one agent, and you find out later that he's an outcast to half the other people in the company, mm -hmm. then you'll never play those territories or whatever they you know, they manage. So I always... Yeah, it's an interesting thing, you know. Yeah, I, I, there are some... And this has been a, a, a thing for the larger agencies for a while, and they all do it differently. But but another thing I would add to that is some agents, agencies are territorial, meaning yes. that, you know, you're the responsible agent, but you only book bands in to large promoters in the Northeast or mm -hmm. small clubs in the Southeast or whatever. There are... But there are also agencies, fairly significant agencies, that are technically territorial, but the, your RA is allowed to talk to anybody he mm -hmm. wants. That's mm -hmm. how we function, actually. Right. But, 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 you know, so you're absolutely right. If you're in an agency where it's territorial, where they've got to rely on 10 people to book your tour, uh, and your guy, your, you know, is the only one in the company that gets you, even if they're good, um, then you're, you might be in trouble. So mm -hmm. you know, it's, a, it's a complex um, decision for ours to make. And there is no right or wrong answer to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you do management, too? No, I've tried over the years, and honestly, it's a conflict. Uh, I mean, I, it just, it, you, you, you can't have divided loyalties. I want, I'd rather do one thing well. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, you know, we work with some really good managers. Although I'll tell you, you know, I think that's the place that there's a deficit. There are deficit, there's a deficit of good Always. young managers. Always, you know? yes. Yeah. Explain that. Explain the deficit. What What do you well, see? Well, what I mean is that right. that they're just, you know when I first started in the business or and really until Napster, if you will, um, there was you know it, it attracted management attracted some of the very smartest. They were you know maybe even law school graduates who decided they didn't know didn't want to practice law or wanted to do something more interesting and and they wanted to be in it because they could get a you know their dream was they'd sign they sign a management client, they'd get them a record deal, <clears throat> they'd get them a publishing deal, they'd get them a merch deal, and their 15% of that was a whole lot of money, you mm -hmm. know, and, and so they could justify that. Well, in this day and age, we know that for the vast majority of artists, it's a much slower rise to the top, and the top isn't as lucrative as it was. So 
15% or 10% of an act that's, you know, making less money is less money. So I think because of that, and also because the skill set of being a manager now is so broad, a manager really is everything, he does it, he or she does everything that nobody else wants to do, uh, or that they don't have somebody else do. Sometimes they're the label, sometimes they're the publicist, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that it, it, we haven't seen that many good young managers come in. I mean, there are some great ones, don't get me wrong, but just not enough. Mm-hmm. Who, are, who are some of the good ones uh, that you're dealing with, and what are some of the qualities about them that make you think, wow, that person really well, has- I'd rather not name names because if I leave somebody out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in trouble. But let me just say, I think the qualities are, you know, a willingness to work hard, an understanding of the business in the broadest sense. So they may not be capable of running a publishing company, but if they're in a room with the publisher, they'll know all the right questions to ask. Mm-hmm. And that that skill set is is uh, that basic knowledge. And, and honestly, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not trying to help you sell tuitions, but it's the kind of thing you get when you go to a music business program at a college, um, is, you know, when you have that basic knowledge across fields um, in the music business, I think that serves you well as a young manager, because you don't know what you're going to be. You're, you're your your artist may have a publishing deal and no record deal. Your artist may have a, an indie record deal, but you want to hold on to your publishing. Uh, you know what? You know you're between record cycles, but you still need somebody to do PR and marketing on your tour. Your web guy just maybe not your web guy, your marketing person just quit or you don't have money for him this month. Well, who's going to make sure everything's running? So that that's the skill set we need. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And many times bands don't know where to go for management. So they pick the guy that's been in their hometown and loyal to them and been taking numbers at the door and so on and so right. forth. And he hasn't a clue. And there's no license to manage. You just right. you, how hip are you? And you go. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Although it's worked out well sometimes. I mean, oh, you know, Fish's yes. manager for the first yeah. twenty something years of their career was their best friend in college. Yeah, they sure. realized that he was the guy who had the business sense, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Uh, and they, and they latched onto him. So it's it's not to say no, but you you're absolutely right. There is no license. There is, I mean, but there is a sc- there are schools and there are ways that they can learn. So. Yep. yep. Talk, talk about. Um, I want to get back to um, now being an agent. Oh, I thought landscaping. Uh, yeah, get, get back to uh, the, the number of trees. How, how many trees have you planted? I have, think it's 24,000. I'm trying to remember exactly. I, 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 believe, I believe that's the number. Not Give all by go. yourself. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we work with a company, a nonprofit called Trees for the Future that, that, uh, that plants them. Yeah, and people can, by the way, go to uh, skylineonline.com, your website, and they can... Mm-hmm. There's a thing about that, and they can. There's a yeah. video they can yeah, see. Yeah, you can that. learn more mm-hmm. about it. It's mm-hmm. just a simple thing. I've encouraged other agents to do it. I don't know that that they have. It's it's a it's a ridiculously simple way to to give back. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the roster that you have is mm-hmm. very interesting and and varied. Not so much by genre, in a way, mm-hmm. but but varied by you'll have a Carl Palmer. Um, mm-hmm. Or you'll have an Atlanta rhythm section. You know, mm-hmm. talk about '70s, '80s, and emotion, mm-hmm. or the babies. Mm-hmm. Then you have somebody mm-hmm. newer like Caitlin Canty. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about the differences in repping them. Um, you know, it's in some ways it's the same skill set. It's do you understand them? Do you know the right places to play? And are you a good enough? 
I'll just call it salesmen to go out and get, and get them the most money that they realistically can expect to play to, to get uh, from where they are in their career. But mm-hmm. I won't deny it. I mean, there are you know, Kate, Caitlin, Darling side, they're represented by in the within the company. Most of their work is done by a guy named Michael, Mark Laurie, who's been with me for 25 years or something. He. Yeah, I remember distinctly in a meeting when he said one day, well, what's the point of doing all this if we don't help uh, bring along young bands? And and he was right, and ever since then we've we've done that. And those acts we don't lose money on, we make money on, we're proud to do them. But, but at some point in their career, actually in the beginning when we signed them, we, were, we lost money every time we booked a date, but you have to do that. That's... I don't want to even say it's giving back. It's product development, you know. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's what you need to do. But as far as the difference is concerned, I mean, you know, it it is simply always trying to find the best opportunity. And it's so different from artist to artist, you know, that some of, usually by the time we've taken them on, they've developed a regional base where they can tour and maybe sell a couple hundred tickets in you know, I don't know, a dozen markets, or maybe it's a hundred tickets in a dozen markets. And what we're looking at that point is, do we see growth? You know, do we see a path to growth? Is there a team around them, which could be a label or a manager or a publisher, or maybe they're just really well organized. There are some of those where the artist is, is actually capable of doing most things. So it's, you know, it's just a question of does somebody in the company get them and love them? And then do we see organic growth and then do we see a path to success and success you know uh, you know we're not i don't represent any arena acts i represent club and theater acts so you know success for me is if i can take them from a club act to a theater act that that's success and that's success for most acts as well and and i'm i'm fine with that explain to listeners the difference in in room size between club and theater Hmm, that's a tough one but i mean in in theory uh uh, you know, a club is really more. You know, is it is it m- most mostly uh, a standing room, if you will, standing as opposed to seated. Although that's not entirely the case. You know, most clubs are 75 to 500 or a thousand seats. There are certainly House of Blues are more like 2,000 seats, and most theaters are 500 to 5,000 or or and up. Um, for the most part, I would say clubs are a thousand and less, and theaters are a thousand and more. But there's a million exceptions to that rule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned uh, at the very beginning, especially with developing artists, you're you're losing money on them. Can you mm-hmm. explain, I guess, quantitatively how you're losing money? Because are you spending money, or is it the time that you're spending, and you could be spending that time with another artist who's going to generate um, income? Well, yeah, I mean, some agents and, and most of my agents work on commissions, so yes, mm-hmm. you could look at it that way, that they could spend money making you know, t- more money doing something else. But also, along with those six agents or five administrative people you know, that are paid a salary, and you know, everybody, whether the agents or the administrative staff, um, you know, needs to pay their mortgage. You know, some of them have put their kids through college. So, you know, when, when I, I haven't done the number in a while, but I remember a little while ago, I thought anytime I make less than $150, so 10% of $1,500, I'm probably losing money. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a lot of acts that we book every 
day that are less than you know that I'm that I'm making less than that. But that's such a broad thing, you know, because if if you have an act that's making a thousand dollars a night and two thirds of their tour in places they played before, then it's you know it's a whole different thing. I'm not losing money to make a send a couple emails and a contract. But that's the point. The point is that there is a whole support staff around it that issues contracts, collects deposits, make sure we get them signed, make sure the riders sign, all of those things that, that we do, you know, on a, on a regular basis. What about coverage for the shows? Uh, do you have somebody from the agency representing you as an agency at a certain percentage of shows? Is there a rule of thumb or is it... Um, it, it's show. different for every artist. You know, mm-hmm. some of the older artists, you know, I, they want to see me once a year. They're fine if they see me once a year. Some of the younger artists, there's a lot going on, and they uh, want to see their agent three or four times a year. Uh, some of the acts see their agent more often because they live in the region that, you know, or play a lot in the region the agent lives. Um, so there's not a rule to that. But, you know, we, I would say we don't let too many months go by before one of us is out seeing a band, and usually the person. The, the one that's most important is their RA, the one that, that's their point person, their responsible agent. And are you trying to get the people, the other agents and the other people, even the people coming up, trying, saying, you know, hey, guys, get out, get out to shows, watch bands, see who else is out there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we um, uh, you know, we're always out there looking. But I, I'll tell you honestly, for the, the most of the leads come either from, they're either incoming, you know, an artist has heard from another artist, or we're constantly asking uh, talent buyers, you know, club owners or, or whatever, you know, what, what's working for you, what, what's exciting you, because if we hear the same name four or five times, let's say, in the Midwest, then we, we've got to go take a look at it. It doesn't mean we'll sign them, but it means we should take a take a close look at it so we're always you know yes we're out seeing bands but honestly usually by the time somebody's going out to see the band we've done the research to think this this is interesting you know do do they're they're on a good trajectory let's go see them Mm -hmm. i'd like to switch hats a little bit uh talk a little bit about hypebot and Mm -hmm. uh how did you get the idea to start it and now of course bands in town have Mm -hmm. purchased it so yeah it's, uh... Yeah, and I'm doing a lot of good work with them, too, a lot of work I'm really proud of. Um, anyway, the um, so, you know, I've owned the agency now for mm, 27, 28 years. About the time of Napster, um, just after it, if you will, it was quite apparent that the music business was changing forever and nobody knew what, where it was going to go. We still maybe don't know where it's going to go, but we kind of have a better idea. Um, and, uh, you know, the change from physical to digital, the free music one way or the other. This was long before anybody really understood that there would be a Spotify and Apple Music. But I knew that it was changing, and I thought... I need to understand this because I need to be able to um, explain it to my to our clients, you know, to to the managers, to the artists. I mean, everybody was just lost. And I thought my my method of dealing with things has always been, well, let's let's go research, let's let's learn more. And so at the so I started that, and I started taking notes. And <laughs> honestly, blogging was was fairly new then. And I thought, well, let me let me share some of these, you know, some of these things, some of my notes, if you will. And honestly, one thing just led to another. It hasn't, um, at the time, there weren't a lot of other people doing it and uh, in writing about music, writing about technology, the, the new music industry, technology, 
all of those things. So, you know, we uh, basically I got in early and just kept going. Mm-hmm. So you decided that you would publish something? I mean, that would be the best way you could learn? Well, I mean, I was taking notes and I was having to explain it to, you know, maybe at the time we had 30 clients. Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly. And I thought, well, instead of me having to do this over and over again, and, you know, and some had a manager, and then they'd want me to explain it to the artist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to write it down. And if I'm going to take all the time to write it down, why don't I just share it with more people? Mm -hmm. And and like I said, one thing led to another. But that really is the genesis of it. I wanted to learn it. I wanted to understand it. I wanted to share what I was learning. All right. Now selling it to bands in town? Um, honestly, out of the blue, there's a guy named John Ostro who um, used to have a, a blog called Mike Control, was an early one too, and worked for Ariel Hyatt at Cyber PR. You've had her on, I think. Yes, or, yes or you guys, No, yeah, no she is, sure. Um, and he now is the chief revenue officer, I believe is his title, at Banson Town. And they have a deep commitment to. Um, developing artists to, you know, uh, artists that are early in their career. And John thought that one of the best ways to sort of prove that uh, and to, you know, if you will, put it in action was to buy HypeBot, buy Music Think Tank, and bring me aboard to sort of oversee our, the whole artist services end of the company. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So honestly, one day I got a phone call and said, do you want to sell? And I'm like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. And and here we are. (laughs) Makes sense. So with the acquisition, um, Mm -hmm. what changes, if any, can we expect to see on Bands in Town when it comes to adding an editorial component? And is this meant well, to service? Well, there is more. Um, yeah, we're already doing more in, in the Bands in Town for Artists blog. Um, and there's actually, actually about to be. And, and then the and HypeBot is within, uh, as well as a separate blog. It's also an RSS feed within Bands in Town for Artists. But, yes, we're like three times a week now. There are how-to, if you will. Right at the moment, they're mostly about bands in town, but they'll be more generally about touring and making money on the road. And they, they won't be exclusively about live, but they'll be primarily about live. That's that's obviously what bands in town is all about. And about I don't know, two weeks from now or something, there'll be a, a significant makeover to hype out as well. Um, that, that, that they're responsible for. But a lot of what I'm doing at Bands in Town actually is not just the editorial, though it's, you know, certainly we, we're trying to educate and drive content. It's also about um, what are the tools that we have and how we can we make them better uh, to, to serve artists. Because most, uh, virtually everything that Bands in Town does for artists is free, and, um, and so it's how can we do that better. And, in fact, if you – one of the interesting things, and I'll, I, I'm going to tip you off tonight because it's going to be announced at 9.30 tomorrow. If you check Billboard tomorrow, I won't give you the – about 9.30. Mm-hmm. We're coming out with some very deep um, charts. We have analytics, but very deep charts in cities and national, and they'll actually eventually we'll launch international, some of them in conjunction with Billboard, a lot of them just on bands in town. And you can read about it tomorrow. But those are the kind of things, like – there are 50 million people have signed up to receive what we call, or they're, or they're followers, if you will, trackers, to get announcements about when bands are coming to their town. And 130 people get announcements from us, you know, or, or sorry, discover 
or or buy and tend to buy tickets from us a month in the platform across the platform and our partnerships with Billboard and others. So most artists are able to build a following of trackers, followers via bands in town, and then we have tools that allow them to message those trackers for free. And we just made those tools better. I, I'm not trying to sell bands down, but we made those tools better because now you can geo-target those messages. So you can just send them when you're playing in Cleveland to your fans in Cleveland. And all of that's for free. So, you know, no rap to, no, no offense to Spotify or Apple Music or whatever, which are great services. But when you build a following on Spotify, you can't message them. And on Bands in Town, you can, and it's free. And that's, those are the kind of things that, that I spend my days working on. Mm -hmm. Hi. Can I go back to being an agent? Yeah. All right. You can I go to anywhere you want. Tweet. What? I'm not going to. No, I'm <laughs> skipping a tweet because I want to talk about being an agent for a sec. Oh. All right. Sure. So, all right. Let's say you've never met me before. And uh -huh. um, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm the uh, uh, talent buyer for William Patterson University. We have a performing arts uh -huh. center here. But you never met me before. Um, and I want to book. And I'll talk about the bands. You have three or four of your bands for one show. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. How can you trust me that I will be, you know, that I will do what I say I'm going to do? I'm an independent promoter. I'm just getting the venue. Um, how do you trust? <laughs> and how much uh, in advance payment are you looking for to expand on that trust? Well, it really depends. Uh, but assuming that I've never done business with you before right. and that you have not done business with my peers. So, it, the per, uh, you know, the art center performing at uh, uh, art center at William Patterson University, I don't talk to, but probably somebody who works for me does. And even if we haven't sold you anything lately, I'm sure that we know the other agents who have or we can look at your schedule. But assuming that that's not the case, assuming there is no history that we can of our own or that we can research, um, you know, it's all about getting a signed contract. And, it's, and frankly, for most of our stuff, it's getting a 50 percent deposit you know, 90, 60, maybe 30 days, but more like 60 or 90 days out, um, that, that um, in essence, assures that you're going to go through with the date. And if you don't go through with, through with the date, you you forfeit that deposit. Okay, so non-refundable. Okay. Yeah, um, non-refundable. Yeah. All right, so let, let's go through the booking process because you have some interesting packages that you can offer. You have a <laughs> Legends of Rock. You have a, a Country yeah. Legends. Um, uh -huh. Let's say I want to book the Legends of Rock how, f uh -huh. in general, how far, and that, so it's multiple bands, how far in advance yeah. am I looking, and should I know what I should uh, pay for them? Do we just, do I say, how much are you looking for? Um, you know, how, uh, how, how I mean, does that we, work? We're, we're, we're always willing to tell you what you need to pay. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, some people have budgets and come to us and say, I can't pay more than, and then we will, um, you know, trying to adjust what we're selling them. A three-band package might become a two-band package, for example, because you don't have the money. But in general, um, you're thinking probably about six months out. I mean, certainly we book things 90 days out, but most of it is about six months, nine months out. Uh, and so right now, for example, the um, most venues are finishing their late spring, um, you know, their April, May, June. Now, there are exceptions, but that's mostly what they're finishing up. And in performing arts centers, they may be working even farther ahead, but, but the typical venues, thinking three to six months in advance. And, in fact, one thing, you know, it's just a fact for whatever reason, um, 
tours are booking further ahead than they used to, if you will. So we can go in and, and somebody will say, well, I need a I have a record coming out, and I need a tour four months from now, and it may be impossible because the dates are just booked, you know, and of all the places we might we might want to play. So anyway, you're thinking about six months out. Um, you know, we take a we generally the artists have a range which they will play within, and and which they get generally. So it, whether it's 500 to a thousand, or or 40 to 50,000, whatever that range is, um, that's their range. And then we're taking a look and having a negotiation about what night of the week is it, uh, because you can pay a little less on a Wednesday night than you would on a Saturday because everybody wants Friday and Saturday, how big your venue is, what realistically you can charge for tickets. So there's some flexibility, but we're going to lead that conversation. And a good agent will just not waste your time. You know, if, you, if you've got 5000 and this act wants, won't play for less than ten, then we should tell you and, and move on to something else. And when you put together these packages, um, mm -hmm. for example, like um, – Let's say you had an Orleans, Ambrosia, Poco, and mm -hmm. Firefall, and you wanted to create a soft rock legends, you know, mm -hmm. package. Um, are mm -hmm. you just doing that? Are you going to each manager and say, saying, hey, I want to do this. You are right if we market it like this, and maybe we'll get a few shows like this or an actual tour or yeah, something? Yeah, I mean, it allows, like any, what, at any level of your career, plant, putting multiple acts together of the right acts, you know, mm -hmm. they have to... Um, will allow you to play bigger places. So, you know, each one of those acts that you mentioned maybe can sell 700 to 1,000 tickets. Now, would four of them sell 4,000 tickets? No, but four of them can probably sell 2,000 tickets. So, you know, together. It's also, you know, honestly, there's so much competition that I've come to believe that the more we can make every date, every tour, every everything that we do, special in some way then the more likely we are to be able to sell tickets so people will get off the couch if you will and and come see a show and that's true i think i think that's true whether it's a young band or a, or an older band is you know what is the reason that they're going to come to your show when there are so many things they could do you know from the netflix premiere that night to the 12 shows that are happening across town all of which they'd have a, have fun going to why do they go to yours and part of it is you know, sometimes packaging or making an event in some way. No, what's mm -hmm. interesting that you guys do, and I was looking at this under the, uh, might have been the Legends of Country one, um, you have this, uh, you're, you're including in the package, besides just the bands, some other stuff, including all dates receive marketing materials, free promotional uh -huh. support, including publicists, yeah. social media marketing, yeah. paid posts, messaging to tens of thousands of fans, being a, a, the partnership with bands in town. So mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. Um, how much creativity are you using? And um, how, how do, are, are you doing things like that to separate you and your bands from the other? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's any agent can take three acts on their roster. And some sometimes we're doing things with acts that are not on the roster as well. I've got a summer package that not of, of um, uh, you know, uh, 60s, early 70s acts uh, that are going to go out in a kind of almost a Dick Clark review style. I don't represent one band on on this seven-band package or eight-band package. Uh, but generally, we're, um, yes, what we're trying to do is to put together something interesting and give enough value added that the buyer is going to want to buy our package instead of somebody else's package. And if, you know, if that means shaving off a few dollars to make sure that there's a publicist, to make sure that there's uh, 
posters and radio spots and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, then we do that. I mean, basic marketing materials, every agent, I mean, that's one of the few things beyond booking that agents should do, and that is, you know, deliver good marketing materials. They generally don't help you to create them, although for these packages we do, but um, they should be delivering them to the right people. It's not to say you shouldn't follow up too, but, but you know, with that contract, um, your, your bio, your photo, your ad mess, whatever it is you've got. And I would say, as every artist, the more those materials are together, um, it just makes you more, look more professional and people will pay more attention and I, I think actually work harder. So I, I'm, I'm I'm sort of a believer that if you go the extra mile, then you're, if, not, if nothing, either encouraging and sometimes even embarrassing the other person, the promoter, the venue or whatever, uh, to go the extra mile too. Now, are you then looking for promoters to have marketing plans in addition to what you're sending them? And are you keeping track of how the promoters are, uh, are technically promoting these shows, especially if ticket sales aren't going to, you know, at the level that you were hoping for at a certain time? Yeah, I mean, we do. We track ticket sales uh, in the beginning and then in the final, you know, two months or whatever. We don't always track them every day, and let's say in a six-month cycle. But we're trying to watch what's going on, at least on a weekly basis. And if there are so, so I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. Yes, in general, we ask for their marketing plan. Um, if it's a little tiny, you know, if it's a, if it's a club band and th playing 300 seat. Uh, venues, it may that marketing plan may be very simple, but at least we know what it is. We know that they are going to buy Facebook boosts, and so maybe we should buy Instagram boosts. You know, we know that that kind of stuff. So we ask those questions, um, and it really just depends on the manager. The in the case of the package tours, we do actually um, uh, police all of that stuff, if you will. In the case of the individual acts, generally it's the manager that's doing. That. We get them the information, but they're the ones who's going online and, go, and saying, oh, God, they used the wrong picture. They use, you know, that kind of stuff. So. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. And um, then we do have a tweet, which uh, I'll hand to Maddie to read as she's getting handed that tweet. Um, I want to be an agent. Bruce, I want to be an agent. What do I need to do besides have a tremendous passion for it? And I want to work for you. What do I do? <laughs> I mean, I would say go out and get yourself some experience um, booking booking bands. You know, book your friend's band, uh, book your band, you know, fail a little bit, but have a little bit of experience on your belt. Virtually every agent that we've um, brought in or trained over the course of the year, some are still with us, some are not, um, you know, did a little bit of that in, in high school, in, uh, in college, uh, and perhaps beyond. Um, some of... You know, if, most of the bigger agencies, uh, William Morris, CAA, ICM, I, I, I Paradigm, have um, paid internship programs, and sometimes those paid internship programs work work their way into very low level um, paid jobs as well. And you know, there's the famous William Morris mailroom that actually. You know, used to exist. I don't even know if it does anymore. But they have a very way more uh, endeavor. Has a very structured uh, training program. So if that's your dream, if you want to, you know, work at a big company, that may be what you want to do. But for the rest of us, it's more about getting just a little bit of experience, so that a, I know you're not afraid to, you know, pick up the phone and ask somebody for money, because that in and of itself is not for everybody you know mm -hmm. totally fine if you've got that skill we'll we can probably teach you the rest
and a passion for music. You've got the more you understand music and music broadly. I mean, my roster is mostly classic rock, Americana, folk, in a broad sense. You know, a hip hop act comes to us, a pure play country act comes to us. We say no because we wouldn't do a good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, but but I do I can say that over the course of the years, uh, the fact that I have a fairly broad um, musical knowledge has helped me in a lot of a lot of ways to sign acts to do good good by acts so yeah i would say in addition to being okay as a salesman it would be understanding the um understanding music in a broad sense okay maddie dean our student co-host has a question mm-hmm. okay so nicole velez wants to know when a do-it-yourself band or artist doesn't have an agent what are some ways they can book a show themselves and do you think they can play festivals without an agent helping them Hmm. Um, this, the, as far as booking yourself, I believe it's about um, building a story, about a touring story is what I tend to, to, to call it. So doing a few gigs, having those gigs go well enough or some of them go well enough that you can, you know, play slightly bigger places or play, uh, you know, fill, fill a venue, et cetera. So it's building that story. Before that, even I would say. By the way, I you know get all your stuff together, all your online stuff together, because when we're on the phones trying to sell a band, or a fan hears about a band, they go online. You know, YouTube, Facebook, your website, what whatever. And if the stuff there is not great and not professional and not up to date, it's that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, the, the the fan moves on to something else, and the talent buyer or the agent moves on to something else as well. Because if you don't have the basics covered, so that's number one. Number two, book dates and 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 uh, um, build that story. Can you get festivals? It depends on what you mean. You're not, you know, what size festivals? You're not going to get Coachella. You're not probably not going to get the big name festivals. There are plenty of great regional festivals. Um, some of them have new artist programs, secondary stages, uh, all kinds of things like that. You can you can certainly get those. But again, your ability to get those is often dependent on how strong your touring story is and your uh, overall story. You know. <laughs> Spotify spins or, or streams or whatever whatever it is that you, you can talk about. You know, if a band comes to me and says, you know, if I'm a festival buyer and I say I've got a 10,000-person email list in New England and I'll use it for you to help you announce your festival, I'm a little festival buyer. That's exciting to me. Um, so all of those kinds of things, uh, that story that you can build, um, I think is how it happens. Beyond that, to be perfectly blunt, a lot of it's just persistent and luck. You know, most of the opening act slots that you see happen because a band fell in love. Uh, you know, one of those tours where you get, you know, uh, 10 dates on f- opening for My Morning Jack or whatever. Quite frankly, it's because somebody in the band loved the other band. So mm-hmm. being good at what you do <laughs> is, is, is the beginning of it all. So that was a little bit of a, of a circular answer, but hopefully that mm-hmm. was helpful. Well, it goes perfectly into our next question um, from Javier Castro Garces. He wants to know, how can an indie band get into a tour with a bigger band, and what are the steps to follow for that breakthrough? Hmm. Well, first of all, I would say um, be careful what you wish for, because if you... A, you've got to be able to afford to do it when they give it to you, because quite frequently you're lucky if you're going to make a couple hundred bucks a night. So be ready, be good. 
Um, also, to be blunt, we've had, I, I call it the Dave Matthews syndrome. You know, we used to, I used to get, um, I don't know, half a dozen dates every year opening for Dave Matthews. The agent at the time was a friend. Uh, a lot of the bands that we were doing at the time were somewhat compatible. So I would get a band opening for Dave Matthews on a half a dozen dates. You know, I knew what to to show him that he could show the band. They go, oh, that's fun, and let's give them six dates or four dates or whatever. They would go out and play in front of 12, 20,000 people in front of Dave Matthews, and they would go back into the market and do like 10 more people than they had done before they played with Dave Matthews because you get that opening act slot for the big band, and no offense, you're an annoyance to the people that spent yeah. 100 bucks to see Dave Matthews. I mean, they might even be up and dancing and having fun, but they don't care about you. I, I don't mean to be rude, and I don't mean to put this mm -hmm. on Dave Matthews. It's any big band. They're there to see that band. So I, would, I always say to bands, you know, aim lower. You'll do better. If, if, you're, if you can get an opening act you know, for, in a 500-seater or a 1,500-seater for somebody, go after that um, because it's much more likely that the people are going to love you. They are, we have a band called Darling Side. They are just stunning live vocally. Just, it's, it's, you know, it's just otherworldly. It's like I like to say a young Crosby, Stills, and Nash, but it's, it's more ethereal than that in some ways. But anyway, at the right moment in their career, at the time that they got their first indie national record with help from 30 tigers i mean it wasn't a big release but it was their first national release patty griffith knew them from um new england where they were from and put them on a bunch of dates so there they were out playing in front of 1500 people 1500 people that like to discover music you know they like good music it's not about the hits Patty has hits i don't mean to say that but it's not like dave matthews it's not about the hits and they came they Every Patty paid more than two hundred dollars, but they made four times what they were making live. You know, from from the guarantee, selling merch every night because they were so stunning, and they would hang out at the merch table, et cetera. That that was that launched them. You know, other things have happened since then. The music is great, all those things, but that moment. Now, if that if they had gone out and played for in, somebody in front of ten thousand people, I'm not sure the effect would have been the same. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, I got a question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just a sidebar. So, when the opening act gets to play, gets to sell their merch, mm -hmm. are there times when the uh, headliner will take a percentage of that for allowing them to do it? No, generally not. I, I mean, I I've heard of situations like yeah, that, so but almost never. And I would, and and honestly, that's just greed. I, sure. I, you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't see that. I mean, you do usually end up. These are in these kind of venues. You are. I might be paying twenty, twenty-five percent to the house, right? Of course, which I think is excessive. But you know, it, you've got to factor that in. Uh, and some bands, <laughs> again, you know, the bigger the band, sometimes the more rules there are. Mm -hmm. Some bands will not allow the opener to sell merch when the headliner is on stage yes, because they feel it's a distraction. Right. It shouldn't be everybody be back in their seats, you know, to, um, uh, to watch them. Mm -hmm. uh, so there, I mean, a good agent will find out all of these things in advance. Uh, how long are you going to play? Are they going to give you one light, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, and not, not, uh, you know, and any kind of estate amount of stage to set up on, you know, all of those things factor in on whether it's worth doing the tour or not. And, mm -hmm. uh, and a good agent will help you figure that out before you say yes. Very uh, last question we have, then we have to wrap it up. 
So okay. uh, but it's about social media. So mm -hmm. Christine Welsh wants to know, how important is it for a band or artist that you're considering working with to have an established online social media presence? And how much does this influence your decision to work with them or not work with them? They've got to have a... The answer is they need to have one. Now, what that is is different for every band. It could be a great email list. It could be you're on TikTok. You know, I mean, it depends on who you are and who your fans are. But in this day and age, you have to have a way to communicate directly with your fans and to grow your fan base and communicate directly with those new fans. And if you haven't done that, if you're not doing that, if we can't see that organically you're doing that, it's, it's gonna, you're going to be in trouble. And, and I would say as much as the agent, I say that as an agent, the buyers feel that even more strongly. Interesting, yeah, because I've been worked with bands, and the bands hate doing social media, and the assumption is that every young person can't get off their phone doing social media, but it seems like the second they're in a band, they don't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't blame them, you know, but mm -hmm. they, so the answer is figure out what you do want to do or what your fans will do, or is the drummer the guy in the band that was willing to do it? I mean, whatever it is, find a way to do it. And it's different for every band, and it's different for every kind of fan. You know, t teenagers are not on Facebook. They're, that's where their parents are. There are other places. If that's your audience, maybe you need to be somewhere else. It's not about a rule. It's about find or where you have to be. It's about finding a way to communicate with those fans. Because if you can't, then you can't tell them you have a new record. You can't tell them you're playing in town. You can't sell them a T-shirt. You can't. You know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what we could do was have a great interview with Bruce Houghton, and we thank yes. you very much for appearing on our show. <laughs> yes, Bruce Houghton. I, I yes. haven't been this excited at eight o'clock at night in forever. So yeah, thank what you. did we leave out? <laughs> yes. Did we leave anything out? No, we talked about everything, 100%. Right. And I played Roanoke College several times. Did you? Really you pretty go. down there. Very nice. Yeah, it is pretty. It's a, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. So thank you guys so much. No, thank you very much for appearing on Music Biz 101 more. We do appreciate it. Thanks again, Bruce. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye, Bruce. Bruce Houghton. Bruce Houghton. Bruce Houghton. Here we go. And that's been great. So, Ashley, thank you for letting us go all the way to the witching hour. We appreciate Ashley's been up since 3 a.m., and so she's a bit sleepy. She's mm -hmm. not... Um, it wasn't us? No, it, it was actually Maddie. She's, oh. There are issues there between student co-host and student engineer, um, especially with the German side of her getting sleepy. So we want to thank uh, Dr. Stabon. Thank you for being here tonight. And thank you, and you my co-host, of course. Professor David Kirkfield. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Maddie Dean, as well. Thank Two you. weeks in a row. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Who's our guest next week, Maddie Dean? Joe Riccatelli? Yes. Co-president of RCA Records. Yes. I can read her face and know when I need to speak and when not to speak. Yes. It's like, it's like I'm married to her already. Here yes. in headlights. <laughs> That's it. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening. You guys are incredible. You're the greatest, greatest people ever. Um, ever. Ever. You're the greatest people ever. ever. Subscribe. Keep subscribing to me. Hey, guys. Ever. Really? Okay, thanks. All right, so at the end of every show, we do not say hello. You know what we say? Maddie, oh, do you oh. know what we say at the end of every show? It's not hello. Hola. Ta-ta-ta. We say, <laughs> adios!